still in um, uh, the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles, and today we will be looking at chapter 3. This is part 4 already, yeah? We're looking at chapter 3. Okay, so I'll read from New Living Translation, then we will dive right into it. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man, lame from birth, was carried in. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The layman looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the layman by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gates, they were absolutely outstanded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Now, Peter saw this opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power of godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate. Despite Pilate's decision to release him, you rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses to this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah that he must suffer these things 
Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. As God had promised long ago through his holy prophets. Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. Starting from Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. You are the children of those prophets and you are included in the covenant God promised your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. So may the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, we've been on a, we um, did chapter two last week, and today we're looking at chapter three. Just a minute. I seem to be, hallelujah. <laughs> now, this was about a miracle and a sermon. Peter, obviously, saw the opportunity to, to preach a sermon immediately after the, God used him to perform a miracle. And you see, Acts 3 starts from the point where it was apparent that the killing of Jesus was just the beginning of a new phase. The, I mean, they, they probably, the, the, the Jews, the leaders of the Jews were probably not comfortable with what Jesus was preaching. I mean, Jesus was beginning to talk about things that may probably make them irrelevant. Talking about things they did not really understand. So yes, they thought they had killed him and that would be the end, right? But here we are, the apostles that Jesus raised were coming out in full force. First, we read about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then they came out and 3,000 people gave their life to Christ in just one, um, one preaching from Peter. That must have scared them a bit. Now, they did not know that, they did not even know the half of what was coming. Um, Acts chapter 2, let me go back. So we start, I mean, use that as a platform. I'll read 46 to 47. Still from the NLT version. It says, they worship together at the temple each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, it says they, they met together. They were sharing, right? So, 
who knows? It's fine. They were meeting in the temple. People probably would have heard that ah, there's this new group of um, of people that uh, that meet here. Very generous set of people, you know. I mean, I don't know if that was that was what happened, but think about it. That crippled guy was not a child. He wasn't born two, three, forty days ago, and he said he was always brought to the temple, the beautiful gate, to to beg for arms. He was crippled from birth. So maybe, just maybe, his friends figured out that if this guy, if there are a group of generous people that are always coming to this temple, who knows? Maybe this can be a good a good spot for for all of us, you know. But before before I quickly jump, I mean, before I jump to 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 that part, there's something that I would like to even bring us back to. He said they met every day, right? So. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon. So it means it must have been a regular thing for them. They went for the three o'clock prayer. Yeah. I don't know whether Peter and John were jobless. We don't know if they were jobless. But the point is, there was an appointed time for prayer. Now, this time was not set by Peter and John or the apostles. If you go back to Psalm 55 verse 17, when David was talking about um, praying in the morning, at noon, and in the evening. So it means the Jews, as a tradition, they would gather in the temple and pray at these times. Now, for Peter and John, people that had spent so much time with Jesus, they would have seen Jesus pray. They would have learned a lot. They would have seen Jesus in this quiet time, right? They could have decided to actually spend more quiet time by themselves instead of following the same tradition, right, that they had been following all the, from time and hadn't brought any change to, 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 to them. But they still kept that discipline of going to church going to tem- the temple, following the discipline. They knew that it wasn't just about the gathering, but they were disciplined about it. So they still made praying together with others an important part of their lives. You see, the thing is, it's not just about you. God wants you. God wants and he needs you to influence and impact others. These guys could have stayed on their own and he will not remove anything from their anointing. Same way it is with us today. We gather not because we cannot pray alone. God needs you to influence and impact others. You cannot make a difference in the lives of other people if you are not where you are supposed to be at the right time. Peter and John, they were there at the right time. Like I said, they could have just decided to keep doing their own quiet time alone. So, let's see the right time. The right time is quite subjective anyways. It's a function of obedience, right? Obedience to what should be, what we should be doing at a particular time and leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, since um, Hebrews 10 verse 25 tells us that, look, we shouldn't forsake the assembly of the brethren, 
So, when the assembly that you are part of is meeting, when they gather to worship and pray, where do you usually find yourself? That's a rhetorical question. The question that I mean, where do you find yourself? Not everybody can be there at the same time. That's the truth. But the thing is, can you actually be there? You know, we all have different circumstances surrounding us. And sometimes you just cannot be there. Because we actually have other responsibilities that may interfere and we can't be in that gathering. So, but nobody can tell. It's a personal thing, right? Nobody can tell if you could make it or you couldn't make it. Or you just don't feel like making it. After all, we can just do it online. It's actually between you and God. But the point is, you should be where you should be when you should be there. So, I just want us to just, I mean, look at the commitment of these guys, Peter and John, before, before I go on. So, that's commitment, right? So, let's now look at relationship. Remember, Pastor talked about this, this year. It's our year. We, we are limitless this year. And Pastor talked about relationships, right? Trust. Peter and John, there must have been quite um, a gap in their, in their ages, We've, I mean, when we learned the book of John, we, 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 we talked a lot about that. So I won't go back to that age differential. But you see, I can remember clearly that John had a brother called James. And Peter also had a brother called Andrew. And they were all in the same, they were all disciples of Jesus. They were all apostles. But I mean, you would think naturally if they, they were blood brothers and they, uh, the same disciples, they would probably have those bonds, right? You probably find the, the blood brothers to, together. I, James and John, their mother even took them at one time to go and hustle, go and lobby for, for position, for, you know? So you would think, yeah, but how come it was Peter and John? You know, the Bible says there are relationships that they are brother, they are friendship that stick closer than brothers. Exactly. So, what was the what was that? What was keeping them together? There are different theories. Somebody, I mean, they, some Bible scholars say that John and Peter became very close because after Peter's denial of Jesus and his repentance, you know, he was probably feeling blue and, and sad and John being the disciple of love the, the guy that feels a lot you know was more compassionate to him than the others and that's why they became very close friends you know but I'm also thinking that maybe when Jesus was telling Peter to feed my lamb, feed my sheep Peter realized that ah, John's very dear to Jesus and if Jesus won't physically be here with us, my first responsibility is to even take care of this, our baby brother, right? And maybe John was thinking, if Jesus physically won't be here, and he has appointed Peter as a leader, right? Let me take him as a father figure too. I don't know. But the point is, these guys were, they walked to Jesus, 
They built a relationship. Even when Jesus wasn't there, they built the relationship because they had the same focus. And we can see what God did through them. This same Peter was one asking Jesus, what about that guy? As far Jesus was saying how they would die. Oh, that guy now. I know you like that guy. And Jesus said, if he says he shouldn't die till I come back, is it your business? You know, the natural the flesh should have been beefing John. Really, if you think about it, I mean, it was clear that he was really close to Jesus. Some people would have been beefing the guy that, ah, ah, what is it safe? Well, we thank God for the kind of relationships they had. And I pray that God will give us such relationships in Jesus' name. So, two of them, yes, working together in ministry, obviously close. The thing is, no one can do ministry alone. Same way no one can do life alone. People have been born. People have stories. People are wary about people, you know. They say, after my last experience. But the truth is, yes, you cannot argue with their experiences. But when you operate from behind a man-made screen, you will not be able to connect with the God-ordained relationships around you. Your experiences, nobody is going to argue with them. But there are relationships God will put in your way to build. And when you are behind that screen, you, will not, you, 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 you just miss it. So you see, let God be the screen around you and let the Holy Spirit, Spirit guide your interactions with people. Yes, you should be wise, but at the same time, let the Spirit guide you. If you are led to be somewhere, stay there. If you are led to be there for someone, be there. If you allow your emotions to do the leading, then you will experience the limitations of the flesh in your relationship with people. Because the thing is, only the spirit of God is limitless. I could learn on Sunday, right? And therefore, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide your interactions will make your relationships with people exceed those limits. You become limitless. Those relationships become limitless. They begin to do limitless things for God. Just like we saw in the life of Peter and John. The thing is, we cannot remove the, 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 the flesh factor. Because we are talking about people here. Nobody is perfect. Even the spirit field, not perfect. So when we go through stuff, when we go through experiences, even the ones that burn us and leave scars, we need to remember that even the disappointments that we face in life, in those God-ordained relationships, eventually become part of God's plan for us. Romans 8.28 cannot explain that anymore than, than when it says that all things work together for good. Those relationships, God on did. Jesus chose 12 and one was the devil. Jesus who? Jesus didn't choose them because he liked their faces. And one was the devil. 
And a lot of us, yes, we may have experienced such things before. It happens. But the thing is, one was the devil, and God's plan was always for Jesus to be crucified. Judas just plugged himself in that equation. So, I mean, for, for a lot of people that have experienced betrayal before, and in, in, in cases, led them to build up man-made walls around themselves, you know? Please allow the Holy Spirit to handle such walls for you. Or else you miss out on what God has for you. Because such walls we have built ourselves can become a stumbling block to what and where God is taking us to. And in this year of, that we are limitless and in this decade of destiny, I pray that we do not screen out the people God has put in our lives. So, um, seem to have taken a lot of time talking about relationship between John and, and Peter. So, I'll jump quickly into what I was talking about before I went to that relationship. Um, the man was a cripple, placed at the gate. He wasn't a child. So, I was just wondering, I mean, I was asking myself, no, people would say, yes, he was, he was born that way. That's what the scripture says. People did not have, know a lot about medicine at that time. So they'll say, ah, some would have said probably something that the parents did. You know, you know how those things used to be. If you read the, the, the scriptures, what sin did the parents commit? Something and something. You know, but Jesus used to go to that temple too. Jesus used to preach in that temple. How come Jesus never ran into that guy? Is it that they were not bringing him when Jesus was physically around? Or maybe they believe that, ah, this Jesus, they don't understand his ways. So they, they try to stay out of his way. But I mean, the guy wasn't born 40 days ago. So it means he must have been crippled when Jesus was there. Same Jesus that people took off a roof to bring a crippled man to him so he could heal him. But these guys were taking their friend to the temple every time to beg for arms. Maybe they were actually avoiding the miracle or who knows, they just didn't trust believing Jesus at that time. So whether they were dodging him or not, we don't know, but I mean, it's something that, that, that I was wondering, how come Jesus never ran into this dude? But anyway, times and seasons happen. The apostles were there at the right time. So, you know, timing is, is, is very key. Another thing, maybe this was the first time the apostles were noticing this guy. Maybe they had seen him before then. But that day, something was different. So that was the D-Day. They had just been baptized with the Holy Spirit. These guys were, they were on fire, you know? And you see, they were no longer walking in the limitations that they had before. Remember, these guys would go back to Jesus. They would ask for, for explanation. Remember when a man brought his son that, 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 had a, um, that used to have epileptic seizures and they were trying to, to pray for the guy and nothing was happening. And they were asking Jesus, how come we couldn't, uh, we couldn't do this now? We did everything according to the to the book. 
You know? Jesus healed the boy and told them, yes, some of these things by prayer and fasting. Thank God that we're even fasting. Safe. So, who knows? Maybe at the end of chapter 3, we'll just go out there and be laying hands on, on everybody that we run into. Amen. You see, but they didn't have the limitations they used to have. These guys had crossed a barrier. These guys witnessed Jesus speak the word and break those limitations when he performed miracles. And at this point, they obviously understood that that same spirit was now in them. Probably uh, Peter must have remembered when Jesus made the promise to them in, in John 14. Telling them that they will do greater things. They will do these things and even do greater, you know? The guy was fired up. So he knew he could speak the word and that word would bring life. That word would change situations. So Peter wasn't about to say, oh, sorry, we don't, we don't have anything here today, but uh, maybe next time, you know? Peter looked at him. Verse 4 says, Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, Look at us, you know, such authority. Now, I'm sure the expectation of that beggar must have been heightened at that point. The guy thinking, he was expecting something. Probably, he, he had said that they don't have any money, but he was expecting something, right? So we could say he had faith, but we probably don't know what his faith was in, you know? Who knows what was going through Peter's mind? Maybe. Remember, um, Jesus had told them in somewhere in, in Matthew, Matthew 19, that uh, with God all things are possible, you know? So, St. Peter that preached the other day and 3,000 people gave their life to Christ. He knew that was certainly not by, it's not that he was a good orator. They were charged up. They were limitless. They were walking rather in the limitless so they gave what they had. They gave what they had, the manifestation of the power of God in the name of Jesus. And the man that was lame leapt up and praised God. And the name of Jesus was glorified. It was all about the name of Jesus. You can imagine there must have been commotion that day. You know how it is. Somebody runs in and say, <laughs> that, that guy that you gave two shillings the other time. <laughs> you know? And the guy, the Bible said the guy grabbed onto them, right? Who knows? Maybe he was thinking if these people live this miracle. <laughs> Might live with them. But, but there must have been commotion. Everybody would want to see. People would be pushing. No COVID protocols. Nothing. Everybody wants to see what's going on. You know, they had just done something that, but mind you, remember it wasn't, Jesus used to perform miracles, right? Now, when this would have happened, many would have considered, was this guy really lame? Or he has been fooling us all this while? Even people that would have known that guy right from when he was born, the guys that were bringing him will be wondering what exactly is going on here. 
And some will think, ah, and me, I have one small problem. Should I say it right now? I mean, you know, you know the way, I mean, everybody probably would have had their own version, what they were thinking. Some will try to logicalize it, you know. Some will even doubt their own sanity. Am I seeing clearly? Even those that will try to dispute it. You know, there are certain things that some people try to dispute, but there just isn't any way around it. He was lame. Now he's leaping. And they all saw it in the name of Jesus. So this would have led them to more questions than answers. A lot of questions. They are just, Peter and John are just performed an undisputed miracle in the name of Jesus. And people were obviously curious to know more. They would want to know the secret. Where others would have probably seen the, the joy, others who, who, would praise God with the guy, others would clap for Peter and John. Peter saw it, it as an opportunity. Some people would bask in the euphoria of, we have just done a miracle here. You know? But Peter saw the opportunity and he took it. You see, one thing about the power and manifestation of God is it cannot be ignored. These people that were there, there was no way they were going to ignore what they had just seen. So, no matter how much the enemy tries to belittle it, the enemy cannot ignore it. And instead, the enemy spends time brooding on it. The enemy may not like it, but the enemy cannot stop talking about it. When God moves, it breaks boundaries. Because God is not limited by the forces of nature. God is not limited by the things that limit man as it is. Because you see, like I said, that was not the first time people would have heard of miracles. Jesus performed several miracles. Jesus healed somebody in the temple too. For some of those miracles, they did not even have a lot of people. Sometimes it were just the disciples. But the point is, Jesus performed miracles. People questioned those miracles. They disputed it. They were looking for ways out. Some even said the power of devil is using itself. You know? But this time around, they all witnessed it. No argument. They were there. I'm wondering why, what was different about this one? Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that later. I'm sure one of the things that must have been really tough for them was this same Jesus... This same man they claimed wasn't the son of God. The one that they rejected and crucified. Peter was reminding them. Oh. Peter reminded them when he began his sermon. When he saw the opportunity and he began to preach. He reminded them that. Ah, Pilate asked you guys to choose. And you chose a murderer. That must have. That must have. Uh, that must have hurt. That was a below the belt. Uh, <laughs> they chose a criminal over Jesus. But you see, 
yes, Peter reminded them, but you see, if we look at it, it's easy to judge these people from where we are standing right now, knowing what we know. Now, it's easy to say, how could they? Who would choose a criminal over the Messiah? Who does that? You know, it's easy to, to complain, but all the beautiful things about scripture is scripture is like a mirror. It, it, I mean, as you read the scripture, it shows you the a reflection of who you are. So let's introspect a little, look at our lives, check our own decisions over time. How many times have we taken the other option over Jesus? This one is homework. <laughs> you know, think about it. How many times have we have we done that? Argue all you like. It's what it is. Even in, in little things, you know, those times that you are really feeling sleepy and the spirit is nudging you to pray and you turn around and you turn around. You don't want to say, leave me, but you are not praying. No. <laughs> that sleep, you will sleep the sleep, you know? That doesn't sound like it's as harsh as rejecting the Messiah over a criminal, Abby. But the point is, there are times we get those nudges. And we say, we even have a scripture for it. We say, the, the, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. You know? How many times have we refused to forgive or apologize to someone because we are angry? Even when the spirit is all up in our face telling us to let it go. The spirit is saying, go and apologize. And you're arguing. But I mean, I didn't do anything now. I'm sure married people understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know? The spirit is nudging and we're heading back. Are we related now? <laughs> you know? Okay, let's, let's try another one. How many times have we dodged the opportunity to actually even work for God? to serve, to show up in service, you know? Not necessarily for ourselves, but to encourage others so we, so, so we show up. Now, I mean, we don't, it's to encourage others by showing up, but we don't show up just because we have a valid excuse. Not that we couldn't have worked, out, worked it out and be there, but we decided to play that excuse card. After all, it's not like we're lying, you know? How many times say I, I would have loved to, to, to save, but the spirit is saying do it, but you know, we give all sorts of excuses. And by the way, well, it's Judy, it will be GDIA Sunday on the 6th of February. And uh, hallelujah. Seems like a, a week and a half gone already. So for those that are not fasting. Join now before you realize that the fastest season is over. You know, we're calling for volunteers. If you, we, we always um, ask for volunteers and we're calling again, please volunteer to serve in the God who did again service and God will bless you. Amen. So, uh, I was saying, okay, how many times have we dodged and, and things like that? You see, but we thank God. The scripture says all things are passed away, especially when, um, when um, we were not saved. You know, when we think about it, how many times did, did the Spirit nudge at us to, to accept Christ even before 
we did. It, it, they might look like, I mean, they are far apart, but it's still the same thing. Acceptance or rejection. You know? Thank God for salvation. All things have passed away. You see, God gave us free will to make choices. And we thank God that he's such a patient, patient God. He doesn't punish us immediately for our bad choices. But he keeps, us, keeps on giving us endless opportunities as long as we are alive to come to him. So we thank God that uh, God is who he is. And we also thank God that men are not gods. Or else, some of us would have never had the opportunity to be saved. Say, I preach to you and you refuse, it's over. (laughs) Judgment would have come swiftly. (laughs) You know? So probably would have still would have been in hell already by now, kneeling inside microwave for what they did as teenagers. <laughs> so we, we thank God for, for, for who He is, you know. He's such such a merciful God. He is a merciful God. And this is what Peter was trying to trying to tell them. And you see, scriptures confirm that his mercies endure forever. And our lives are a testament of his everlasting mercy. He was rejected and killed. Then God raised him again to save the same people who rejected and killed him. That's what Peter was telling them. And you know this is one of the reasons some people struggle with the gospel. They struggle with gospel because they say it's just about love and forgiveness. What about justice? What they fail to realize is God is a God of justice. So what did he do? That justice was served on Jesus. He's a God of justice and he's full of mercy. So he served that justice on Jesus. Jesus paid the price for the sins that we've committed. Then he took the punishment. Jesus took the punishment, right? And we got the mercy from God. Jesus took the punishment. We got the mercy. And then God gave us the grace as well. To continually live for him. So when they say, what about justice? Justice has been served already. What we are getting is mercy and grace. That's why Romans 8, verse 1 says, there's no con- therefore there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. It goes on and on and on. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone belongs in Christ, He's a new creature. Old things have passed away. These things are very important. And Peter did not hold it back. He had to let them know, you rejected him. You killed him. Yes, you told you it was over, but God raised him so you can even have an opportunity to enjoy his mercy and his grace. Some people struggle with that. So you say salvation comes just by believing and confessing. It makes everything pass away. Yes, mercy is activated and grace takes over. That's the reality. They can argue all they want, but that is what it is. So you can imagine when Peter was saying all this, there may have been people that took part in that, uh, what would you call it now, in that uh, selection and uh, process where they chose Barabbas over Jesus. Who knows? They may have been in the temple that day all this would have happened. You know? 
they were led to reject and crucify Jesus by the Jewish leaders. Now, some of these Jewish leaders were, were probably, they were, they were rebellious against the, the convictions of their own conscience. Some of them were, and probably did it out of jealousy and malice. But most of the people, the crowd, they were just led down that path by their leaders. Right? They were led down that path by their leaders. And Peter was here telling them that it's okay. What has happened has happened. And God makes all things work for good. So he was there telling them, this will not even stand against you. Yes, the one you killed is still the gateway and is here for you. Now, because of the nature of the flesh, that must have been a very hard pill for them to swallow. And that's why the scripture says in, um, in John 6 that um, no man can come to Christ unless God calls. Because the, thing, the fact is, the wickedness of the heart of man, which is the flesh, cannot swallow that kind of information and just move along with it. Unless God talks at the heart of that person. But then the person still has to make a choice. A choice to yield to that conviction. So you see, Peter took the opportunity and the gospel Peter was preaching that day is still the same gospel still being preached today. You know, in verse 18, verse 18 makes it clear that God knew the choices they would make and he understood fine. You know, God knows before it happens. There's, um, there's something I came across when I was preparing. It says, ignorance and malice have been overruled by the sovereign wisdom and power of God and used to become the instrument of fulfilling the divine purpose that Christ must suffer in order to make an atonement for the sin of the world. These guys were malicious, they were jealous, a lot were ignorant, and it's okay because God is always in control. All that is still used for his divine purpose. Peter made it clear. You see, it's one thing to, to, um, to know it and be politically correct. It's another thing to say the truth as it is, plain truth, and also let the person know that there is a way out for you. You cannot repent if you don't accept your guilt. And this is what Peter was doing. And Peter was trying to let them know that it was all God's plan and it was always about turning fallen state of man back to God. Peter, God used them for a miracle. And Peter saw the opportunity for that miracle to preach the word of God to them. Give them God's word. And you see, Peter's sermon illustrates the two sides of repentance. That is, turning aside in sorrow from sin and turning to God in faith. The call to repentance and faith is a necessary element of the apostolic preaching. It's what it is. Repentance and faith. If you cannot accept the sin, if you cannot accept that you are wrong, then repentance cannot really be genuine. And this actually happens a lot. You see, the, 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 the Jews 
we couldn't we can't say they were all bad people the fact is the jews had waited so long for the messiah but when he came they didn't recognize him for whatever so many reasons they didn't, they didn't recognize him so it happens with us today people can actually hope for a good thing for so long that when the time comes they won't even recognize it they would rather hold on to the hope they know than live in the reality of that hope that is now in front of them. So, when we are hoping for things, when we are hoping, let us remember that that hope we have, it, is, it, do, it will not end in just hope. The Jews were just waiting, but they really did not have an expectation. When we are hoping and waiting on God, there has to be an expectation or else when the thing comes, we will not recognize it. We will still be wondering, is this it? Am I sane? Am my eyes deceiving me? So you see, from this chapter, we can learn a few things from what transpired within Peter in our work for God and in our work with God. Number one, Peter showed compassion for that lame man and that is why he was led to move. Number two, he took the opportunity and he used the opportunity to win souls for Jesus. And thirdly, Peter allowed the passion in his heart to flow out into action by his, I would say mouth now, I would have said hands, but he obviously spoke with his mouth. Hallelujah. So, if at all we don't take any these three things, Peter, compassion, opportunity, and passion. You could put compassion as um, a fruit of the Spirit. And the healing that came forth was a gift of the Holy Spirit. When you allow the fruit of the Holy Spirit to manifest, the gifts of the Spirit will begin to manifest in our lives as well. Praise the Lord. So, again, I, like I talked about, how many times have we rejected Jesus? How many times have we rejected the nudging of the Spirit? Same thing with salvation. There may be people here online that may not yet have a relationship with Jesus. That may have had several opportunities to yield to the call, but not ready. Today is a very good day. It's a very good day to turn to Jesus. So, I'll make the call. That if you have a fragmented relationship with God, maybe you've backsliding or you've never even had a relationship with him, just with a show of hands, even if you are online, God sees you. Just raise the hand if you are online. If you are here, you raise up your hand and we'll put a card in that hand and we will pray in a minute. So, if you want to respond to the nudging of the Holy Spirit today, if you want to give your life to Jesus, just with a show of hands and we will move on. Father, we thank you. We thank you for everyone that giving their life to you at this point, Lord, we ask that you breathe upon them. Father, even as your mercy will be evident in their lives, Father, you will give them the grace to continue to walk with you. 
and your name will forever be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord, for in Jesus' precious name we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. So um, that brings us to the end of the teaching on Acts of the Apostles, chapter 3. If you give your life to Christ online, you can engage the online pastors. The link should be, there should be an email address scrolling on the screen. Send an email to that address and we will take it up from there. Hallelujah. So that brings us to the end. Thank God. If you, um, if you give your life to Christ here, if you're picking up a card, please fill the cards properly. Hand over the cards at the end of service and we will give you a gift. Amen. So, uh, at this point, we will... Papi is here already. Welcome, Papi. Yes, I am. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so yeah. it's time for questions. Questions, comments, even disagreements, protests. Let's have them. And by the grace of God, we'll be able to answer them. And if I cannot, Papi will bail me out. Do we have any questions from online? Okay, we do. Good evening, Pastor Sotie. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. The, the first question says, the apostles were known for carrying out miraculous acts like Jesus, healing the sick as seen in the lame man that walked. What is it that they had as followers of Jesus to perform miracles that some of we followers today do not have? Or what is it that we are missing because we have the power to do these things? Wonderful. Anyway, it's, um, yes, these guys, they, they, they were, it was evident, the power of Jesus evident in their lives. And if there's something that we, if we go back to where we started with Acts of the Apostles, when they received the Holy Spirit, they were emboldened. If there's one thing, you see, Peter had faith and he spoke into the life of that lame man and he jumped up. It wasn't about the fate of the lame man. At this, it was the fate of Peter. But it just didn't end with faith. There was the issue of boldness. You know, sometimes we we, we really feel the compassion. We may even be, get that nudge to pray for the person, but we are not bold enough to let it out. You know? Sometimes we struggle with our, with, with, with our faith. Not just faith in Jesus, but the fact that faith in will this happen? Sometimes it's a case of, ah, if it doesn't happen now, I'll be embarrassed. These guys had nothing to lose. They were not bothered about what people thought. They were not bothered about what, how, what would happen to their reputation. They were just on fire. And by the grace of God, we will carry that same fire. Because we carry that same fire. We just need to express it. Let that, when you get the opportunity... Let it out. So, same spirit that was in them is the same spirit that was in us. 
Papi, you want to add something to it or help? Um, no, I mean, yeah, that's it. I mean, many times it's, it's just to step out in faith and, um, and that's the boldness you, you, you spoke about, you know, and, um, and forget about ourselves, you know, it's not about us, it's, it's about Jesus. So um, many times we're also consumed with the fact that, oh, what if the guy does not, <laughs> does not work? <laughs> what if the guy does not, you know? And for the person asking the question, I mean, by the grace of God, they should hang around God's favorite house long enough. And Amen. by the grace of God, you will see miracles happen. I mean, um, in my life, I've seen quite a number of very dramatic ones, you know, that if we were to write them all in a book of 26 chapters, it would look so amazing. But if you notice that what has happened here is, uh, is a period of at least about 60 years compressed into one book, you know, and, um, and so if you look at, let's just take um, any of our fathers of faith. If you look at, okay, let's, let's, let me not mention anyone alive, you know, so that it's not as if I'm mentioning this person and I'm not mentioning that person. Let's look at someone like um, Benson Idahusa. If we were to write about all that God used him to do, you know, <laughs> you'd be reading another act of the apostles. Of the apostles. <laughs> By the time we add one or two or three, my point is, um, God is at work in us and around us. We need to pay attention and appreciate it, in addition to what Pastor Asote has said. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Any more? Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, my question is this. In the Bible, Jesus, Jesus told a man that your faith has made you whole. But in this case, it was not about the faith of the man. Peter knows the God he's calling upon, and he prayed. So I'll give you a logical example. I have a friend we're believing God for something. So I said, this is our period. Fast with me. Let us, he said, go ahead. If it works, fine. So now, I don't want to get discouraged, but I'm thinking, will it still work? Since she herself, um, we are praying together. She does not really, really believe in my work. Does it mean that I know God can do everything? And so irrespective of her faith, I don't need to worry that she does not believe that it might actually work. I should still keep it up. As in, her faith is not that it's going to work. Her faith is go ahead. If it works, come on, I will, I will tell you. Let me know. <laughs> so, what, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to believe that my faith and believing God will carry both of, both of us? <laughs> you see, wonderful. You see, it's not everybody Jesus even told, to, to, talked about their faith. Because the thing is, it's not really about. It's about the name of Jesus being glorified. Right? Now, for those with the gift of working on miracles, it's about, yes, the name of Jesus being glorified. And that compassion. They see, Jesus saw a, a, um, the, the lady and said, why can this daughter of Abraham 
not be healed. Jesus did not heal just people that believed in him. Right? In this case, Peter wasn't about to preach to the man. Peter was there to show the manifestation of the power of, I mean the manifestation of the power of the name of Jesus. So he spoke healing into the man's life. So it's two ways. Some people pray for healing by their faith. And some people speak healing into the life of people. That gift of working on miracles has not said anything about the faith of the person that will receive the miracle. It says you will receive the gift of working of miracles. So, in that person's case, the reason you are doing that is because you have compassion for the person. You feel the person's pain. But the person, yeah, the person may be feeling the pain, but who knows why the person is not willing to, because a lot of people have have had their hopes dashed so many times. So, when we talk about intercession, you are standing in the gap for the person. And at the end of the day, the limitless power of Jesus will be glorified. So, that person that probably does not have the faith at this point, when God moves in their direction, the person will be the one going to tell people that come and see. I did not even pray. <laughs> Hallelujah. Papi, you want to add anything? No, I mean, just, I mean, the fact that, yes, you can go ahead. I, I think that's gold, right? Um, that asks the question. Yes, you can go ahead, gold, and stand in the gap, like Pastor Asuti said, and, and, um, and God will do what he will do. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Another question? Okay. Yeah. The second one was a comment from online that said, um, I couldn't help but notice how confident the once timid disciple had become and how they preached almost exactly like Jesus. If you stick around the long if you stick around for long enough with a genuine heart, you will catch the spirit. Exactly. And you see, it's one thing to, we need to also remember that they got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then, then on, it was, they, they, they were carrying fire. Now, when we talk of boldness, eh, in that context where they were preaching, remember, it's the same scripture, gospel Jesus was preaching that led to his crucifixion crucifixion. I mean, that people said, oh, this man is committing, is, bla is blaspheming, this and that, and they killed him. So really, why were the disciples not afraid that, ah, the minute they step out, they will just add them to the to the list. The way they do coup plotters, just line them up and boom. The way they used to do those days. But, you see, eh, there's something that the devil was demystified. Death was demystified. Before Jesus resurrected, what, what was that can happen? You die, Abby. they will kill, they will kill, they will kill. And that's the end of the person. That was supposed to be the end of the person's story. Then they killed Jesus. And it turned out to be the beginning. 
So what was the fear about? Because the truth is, even till today, the life that we have, we are grateful to God. And we will, by his grace, we will live life to the fullest in line with what God wants us to do. But the truth is, for they that are in Christ, that die in Christ, it is just the beginning of the next phase of life that lasts for eternity. They were bold. They were emboldened by the Spirit of God. And we thank God that that same Spirit is the same Spirit that God has given unto us at salvation. Amen. So, do we... Papi, do you want to say something? No, perfect. Any other question, comments? Okay. I would, um, you know, there was a question I asked while I was, <laughs> while the teaching was going on. I said, Jesus performed so many miracles when he walked the earth. Some even, I mean, this lame man from Beth, Peter performed the miracle and he started jumping and leaping. But you could even say there were some that Jesus did that was even more grandiose. I mean, he called Lazarus out from the dead. Not that he just died one, two, three days. They said he was smelly already. You know? I mean, Jesus healed the lame man. Jesus woke up that girl, what was her name, from the dead. You know, so many, so many, so many, so many. And, but it seems like this particular one that the, the apostles did, it seemed like this one had the effect of this one just kept reverberating. So, I mean, what, what would you say is the difference? When, when you say reverberating, what are, what are you referring to? You know, Jesus, Jesus healed somebody in Jerusalem, in the temple. And they oh. even argued. But this one, it seemed like everybody just raised their hand and said, uh, we can't argue with this one. Uh, okay, that's what you mean. Um... Yes, of course. You know, it's just like Jesus saying to us that we will do greater works than he did because it goes to the Father. So it is, we are still standing. Peter and, and, and John were standing on the shoulder of, of, if you will, of a giant, of Jesus, you know. And, and so um, and we have the privilege of standing on their shoulders. So Paul, for instance, will envy a generation where I can be in <laughs> Dallas and I can be participating in Bible study in Lagos. You know, Paul will give anything to live in this time. You know, um, so but we will be we will be uh, presumptuous to think that we are better than him. You know, or anything. We we are just blessed to be standing on on the shoulders of giants. But having said that, if you read further, uh, chapter four, you discover that they were actually arrested. <laughs> so people did not really put up their hands or anything like that. They were actually arrested, flogged. You know you know, dealt with want, well, by the time they were going to be released, they were want seriously, you know, and all that stuff. So, yeah, that would be my response. Thank you, sir. 
they were actually standing on shoulders of of giants. And that actually even reminds me of, you know, I grew up in Benin, so we were children when Archbishop Idausa was he had already obviously started doing things before before we we, we were born. And um, I grew up in his church at a point. So I would say I'm privileged to have witnessed some of those things. So, and when I look back today and see where um, the gospel has been taken to, yes, I agree, we're standing on shoulders of giants. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so um, in the absence of any other question, we will move on. Oh, there's a question? All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You also asked the question, sir, and you said, what happened to the man that had been lame from birth? Is it that they never noticed him at the door or at the gate before? You know, and I thought to myself that they probably were shy. Uh, they didn't. They were not as bold. And then there's a prayer we pray that the spirit should allow us to see as we ought to see, and hear as we ought to hear. So I believe that when the fire began to burn within them, they had to first look intently at that man, and he asked. They asked him to look at him at them too. Like, look at us. And they saw as they ought to see. And they were able to do what would glorify the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Exactly. I mean, their eyes were open. It's about time and seasons, you know. There's a time and there's a season. So, what do we do? We have to be positioned right. I think I I, I was talking about... um, being in church when you should be in church. Nobody will, nobody will argue with you if you can't be there. But when you are at the right place, at the right time, things happen. They were at the right place, at the right time. Their eyes were open. They saw what they ought to see. And Jesus was glorified. Now, one of the things about that is, God will always be glorified though. So, if we begin to think that, oh, if I don't go, it means God will wait for me. Hmm. I pray nobody will take our space in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I mean, even in this season, we are fasting, we are waiting. God is already moving and God is still going to do much more. So, let's keen for those that are not yet moving on this train. The train is moving already, so you had better jump in because the testimonies will surely come in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. Papi, do you want to say anything before I can? No, no, no. Amazing. Okay. Um, amazing. Well done. Good, great teaching. God bless you. Thank you. Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Amen. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. And so it is and shall be. Amen. 
Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. So God's favorite house, who are we? We are limitless all the way. Amen. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.